Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune, covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. In effect, chronicling the coming of Christ the King. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's edition of the End Time Tribune. It's November the 25th, 2017. Ladies and gentlemen, Black Friday had all kinds of, well, shall we say, disruptions. Chicago. 100 people gathered outside the old White Tower protesting mostly the police and demanding civilian oversight of the department. The boogeyman is no longer a monster under our children's bed. The boogeyman... They carry a badge and a gun, said activist Eric Russell. Forty-four arrests were made near Quebec City by nationalist protests, ladies and gentlemen. Quebec City police said 44 people were arrested near the site of rival protests by right-wing and anti-fascist groups as things continue to boil. In St. Louis, Black Friday protest uh, led to seven arrests. And here again, we have this same thing where it's being kind of kept quiet. Everybody would naturally think that they were protesting, I don't know, commercialism. No, it's not. Once again, these protests uh, were, were done uh, because people are tired of – African-Americans being shot by police departments. That's just the way it is. Take this for something. (laughs) I saw very interesting this week released in the UK. Member of Parliament fears a biblical scale of U.S. drug deaths means UK needs to act now. Now what's this all about? Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is off the charts. This is in reference to the opium crisis that we have been having, that the media uh, really doesn't seem to want to report on too much. But this has members of the British Parliament so worried that they are referring to the amount of deaths by opiates in the United States as being of biblical scale, and yet everybody's just quiet. This week, the Associated Press released this headline, Texas chance of biblical rainfall likely to triple. Week for the first time after 18 years, Jews were allowed to pray at the tombs of the prophets Gad and Nathan. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, what else do we need for this fire? We obviously have plenty of gasoline. We have plenty of oil, plenty of propane. What else do we need before we get this show on the road? I don't know. Maybe it's just going to take some natural gas. But once somebody pulls that start gun, 
boy, are we in for quite a ride. Why, you're going to pull those pistols and whistle Dixie.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's edition of the End Time Tribune. It is good to be with you this evening, this holiday weekend. Uh, we have much to be thankful for. Amen to that. Well, Clinton, how has your week progressed, and uh, what's a couple of things been catching your eye in the news? You know, this uh, this week has been quite fascinating, uh, just watching what is developing. And, it, you know, it's just awe-inspiring to kind of see all the way from the political spectrum to, you know, this tax plan they're trying to push through to the budget being uh, <laughs> not approved and where we don't even know if the government's going to be running in a month, uh, to where what's going on in the Middle East, uh, to just, this whole charade in Hollywood to the NFL. I mean, it's, it's this whirlwind of information coming at you all at once. And it's, it's awe inspiring to just witness and, and experience. Awe inspiring. Yes. That's, I think that is a really good term to use for it. Brian, how has your week progressed and what's a couple of things been catching your eye in the news before we get this show on the road? Well, it is possible that uh, Brian has his microphone muted. I'm not sure what the problem is. I do have him on air. Uh, so, of course, I walk in from getting my coffee as usual timing, and you had me up to talk. No, <laughs> no. I already trumped you, man. I already trumped you because during the intro, my coffee was still making, and my coffee maker's only like 20 inches from the mic. So I think everybody got my coffee making as I did the intro, so that's his classic, man. But how's your week been, man, and uh, what's a couple things been catching your eye in the news? Yeah, week's been kind of one of those, I guess. And, hmm, catch my eye in the news. Some odds and ends, strange things going on in Ukraine. Pakistan's got some flare-ups going on. Good old Lebanon and Saudi Arabia are kind of here and there in the news. And, of course, we've got all the atypical distractions going on in the news as well. That's right. We've always got plenty of weapons of mass distraction uh, in the news. As far as me, ladies and gentlemen, it's it's been a pretty good week. I was awful thankful to uh, have all the Millers here underneath one roof. We had to go and get uh, Bethany for the holidays. And it's uh, where my wife is now. She's uh, getting transportation because our transportations won't make it that far. So she's uh, going to get a car that we can uh, get Bethany back to school on time, safe and sound. One of the things that caught my eye in the news this week that any of the Crusader sources really didn't cover, and it really kind of shocked me, Um we have Iranian naval warships in the Gulf of Mexico, and nobody thinks that's important. I find that interesting. Uh, so, with no further ado, let's get Clinton in the saddle so he can start his news coverage. Clinton, the microphone is yours. You know, uh, uh, everyone, I hope uh, everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving um, it's a it's a wonderful time to enjoy family and to remember what is important. And you know, unfortunately, the rest of the world doesn't necessarily get to enjoy that luxury. Um, and and I think that's evident to 
to everyone that's been paying attention to what's going on in the Sinai Peninsula. Um, I mean, we, we know for a while um, that Christians have been persecuted within the Sinai Peninsula to the point that there's been massive shootings at churches, on buses, um, and it's also impacted the Muslim community as well. And this last attack was horrific. Um, there's no other way of putting it. Um, basically, um, you know, Muslims showing up to show up to morning prayer. They there was four different explosions that happened. Um, not sure if they were in the church, outside the church, or what. Um, all the people inside the church ran out, or outside the mosque, I should say, um, as 25 to 35 to up to 40 possible. Uh, reported, uh, gunmen started shooting on everyone exiting the mosque. Um, you know, 305 people killed, 160 injured. Um, when the ambulance showed up to grab people to take them away, there's reports of uh, um, booby traps or shooting at the ambulances as well. Um, this this is getting scary. Uh, this is getting very very scary. Not only in the United States do we have shootings at churches. Uh, we have reports of attacks against people um, of the Islamic faith as well. But then what's happening in the Sinai Peninsula is very, very disturbing. Um, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, there's, there's reports that there's a possible you know, Palestinian state that may be created out of the Sinai Peninsula. And maybe this is an attempt to make that area unstable. Um, who knows? But the fact is we have you know, we have warfare. There's no other way to put it. We have warfare on a scale that is, is very disturbing against civilians, against people not only... There's a possibility it's people within the Islamic faith as well. You know, ISIS hasn't publicly come out and said that they have done this attack, but there's reports that their flag was flown. Now, ISIS is typically pretty good about coming out and saying, no, we did it. And when they say they do it, they say they do it like the shooting in Las Vegas that happened right away. They came out and said, no, this is our man. This is, this is our man. And to this day, we cannot determine a motive as to why he did what he did. But in this attack in the Sinai, they don't do that. Now, things have changed since a month ago. I mean, supposedly ISIS has been completely pushed out of Syria. Uh, has been almost eradicated out of Iraq and Iran and is running. But this is a major attack. This is possibly the worst terrorist attack in the Middle East or close to the worst in a time when the region is completely unstable. Egypt has already started bombing. Who knows? Who you know, if it's exactly who did the attacks or not. But they started bombing in retaliation. So we have this this buildup happening in the Middle East. And, and, and I'll get back into it, and I'm sure that Matthew and Brian will talk more about what's going on in the Middle East. Um, but there's a lot of crazy developments that are happening there. Now, here in the United States, we have this 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 whole world of illusion that is being placed in front of us. Um, you know, we've always been in a way 
deceived in a way, you know, manipulated to watch, you know, what they have us on the TV, either the, the shows or the movies or the news or the sports programs or whatever we wanted to digest, you know, that was put in front of us. Well, it's it's getting to the point that we are digesting ourselves to accomplishing nothing but digesting that information. And that information is just whatever they want to feed us. No one talks about what's going on on the global scale. And if they do, they try to slant it one direction or the other. No longer is a bill put together that actually benefits everyone in a positive way. It always has to be slanted in one way or the other. And, and people can say this is politics. You know, that, that, you know when, when they went through this tax reform in the past with Reagan, you know, it was the same thing. You know, it was, it was, you know, it was very hard. The Republicans wanted to trickle down economics and the Democrats didn't. And now it's coming out, you know, the Democrats, you know, they, they voted for Reagan's tax plan. So they should vote for Trump's tax plan, which is what? You know, it's, it's more, of the, more of this trickle-down economics. And, and we have, as a society, gone through this experiment over the last 31 years. 31 years is how long it's been since we've had tax reform. So whatever we do for tax reform is going to affect everyone for another at least 30 years. For, for me, that's basically my entire adulthood until retirement. So this is very important, what is going on with this tax reform? What is going on with my rights? Because this affects my future. And if you look at what happened in the 80s, you know, we, we've had an expansion um, massively when it comes to corporate profit since that point. You can see from numerous graphs the, the separation of wealth that has happened since that tax reform, since trickle-down economics promised that the wealthy would share. That, that's what the principle of it is, is give to someone and expect them to share. In, in a perfect world, we're all taught to share. But anyone that ever, well, met someone that didn't want to share knows that not everyone subscribes to that. And typically those that have more are the ones that are inclined not to share. That's what trickle-down economics proved to us. That's what the Reagan tax plan proved to us. Now, yes, we have had prosperity in technology. We have had prosperity in the housing market. We have had prosperity in all these other bubbles that you can say. But the, the, the truth of the matter is, is the standard income for the middle class has not risen since the 80s. I saw a report, you know, and I think this is a week or two ago, that said the, the inflation-adjusted standard of living now for the middle class just equaled 1998. Just now, we got back to 1998. We had dropped off. We had fallen down. In this land of the free, this home of the brave, we forgot about the middle class. The wealthy, though, continue to make more and more money. The corporations on top continue to make more and more money. 
the the tax plans are catered to those that have money that they can wallpaper their houses with gold. Hence, if you have not seen the penthouse that Donald Trump owns, look at the pictures. It's wallpapered in gold, pretty much. So this tax plan is set up for that. And, and the reason that I even bring this up is because this is scary. The fact that we have any kind of tax legislation that will go through both the House and the Senate with one party voting for them. I've, I've listened to numerous news broadcasts, and they do not answer one question. And that one question is, why do the corporate tax breaks become permanent, but the individuals do not? And the answer to that question is simple, very, very simple, is there is rules in the Senate that if you have a bill that is being passed that is only one party floating on that bill, is everything on it cannot be permanent. You have only Republicans voting on this. That's why they can't make it permanent. So they had to make a choice. They had to choose either to make the discounts or the tax credits to the individuals permanent or the tax credits to the corporations permanent. 50-50 choice. Do you want to have trickle-down economics or do you want to give it to the people? That was the choice. That's always the choice that's Always the choice. And not only did they choose to give the money to the corporations, but they, in an essence, doubled down, tripled down, quadrupled down, whatever equals 15 to 1. Yeah, so <laughs> basically when you drop the corporate tax rate from 35% to 20, but you're dropping the individual tax rates equivalent to maybe 1%. Someone that makes $500 million, as in a corporation, the taxes on $500 million, a 15% drop on that is substantial, very substantial. Where if you drop the 15% for an average individual, that's life-changing. That affects them in numerous ways. And because they cannot make the tax plan permanent for the individuals, because they chose not to make the break larger for the middle class, and to keep it heavy for the corporations. We have basically seven years, once this is approved, before the tax breaks for the people expire. Just go away. The, the, the reassurance that we are given by Congress and Senate that has been able to pass nothing all year, absolutely nothing, I mean, I can name two things they've done. They, they've, uh, you know, appointed uh, Neil Gorsuch to the Supreme Court, and they passed an abortion bill. And in both of those cases, they had to use the one thing that Congress and the Senate have never, ever done in the history of our country. And that is the nuclear option is what they called it, where the vice president steps in and votes to pass something because there's a tie because they can't pass on their own. Never in the history of the United States has it been done, and we've done it twice in this year. That's the only thing they've passed. This is, <laughs> this is how they're basically forcing an agenda onto the individuals that don't necessarily need it. They don't need this. Yes, yes, we need a tax break. Yes, 
We need to make sure that we give a benefit. But the way of doing it is wrong. In, in under the tax break in the 80s, the same thing happened. Corporations had the opportunity as well to bring money from overseas back to the United States. That's in the plan this time. In the plan this time, all the money has to come back. You don't have a choice. You're taxed on it either way unless you bring it back. And they're talking about if you bring it back, you're not taxed. So it makes sense. Bring it back. Well, when they tried it in the 80s, Corporations brought it back, and what they do? They bought their own stock, and they pay dividends to their stockholders. So they reinvested in their own corporation to buy their company back from their shareholders to increase their stock price. That's what they did. They didn't give raises to employees. They didn't give benefits to people, you know, because I, I remember growing up, I mean, I thought healthcare was 100% covered. I thought you go in to see the doctor, you maybe pay 20 bucks, and that's your copay, and you get whatever you need fixed. I mean, that's what I thought healthcare was. You know, needless to say, I didn't realize that my father had good health insurance, and that not everyone has that. And since I've grown up, I've realized, well, there's many, many different options of health insurance, and the quality of that insurance continues to go down. You can blame it on the expense. You can blame it on the pharmaceutical companies. You can blame it on the doctors. You can blame it on the hospitals. But the fact of the matter is that expense continues to go up and the quality of it continues to go down. And what I mean by the quality, I mean by the insurance coverage continues to go down. Deductibles continue to rise. Coverages continue to go down. And exclusions continue to rise. So basically, it's turning into a, a money grab. I will gladly take your premiums every single month. I will mandate it to where you have to have it. And if you do not have it and you do not pay me the money, you're in trouble. Plus, you don't have health coverage and you can't afford the bills if something does happen. That's a facade. Now, in the tax plan, they do remove you know, the um, requirement of having health insurance. And they say that the reason for that is the Obamacare mandates where you have to have it. And if you don't, you, you get charged a fee. And they are saying that that fee being charged is a discount, a, a tax break to the middle class. Because everyone in the middle class, you know, they need this. And that's a tax break. Instead of just saying that the moral thing to do is to make sure that everyone has the ability to have health care that has the ability to pay for it if they choose to go with one that's government-funded or not government-funded. They should have that option. This does not fit into a tax plan. This, this just seems like a way to, to push something through to make the numbers on an accounting form look correct, not necessarily to actually accomplish something for the betterment of the people. And, and the reason I say that is, well, they, they want to give $1.5 trillion in the tax break. And, and the way this tax break is set up is, you know, for, for those of you that make over $900,000 a year, you know, congratulations. I think that's a great accomplishment. Good job. And this tax break is going to give you an extra $200,000 back. So, you know, now that 900000 turns into $1.1 million, congratulations, go spend your money so that way people can, you know, live paycheck to paycheck. You know, 
the difference between making nine hundred thousand dollars and making thirty thousand is drastic. When you give five thousand dollars to someone that's making thirty thousand, that's life changing. You give five thousand dollars to someone making nine hundred thousand, that's nothing. That's the difference in the tax, the tax plan, the comparison. You can plan anything you want and say that one is better for the other or not. Well, yeah, we are going to have a, um, a stimulus from this. You are putting money back into the middle class. You're putting money back into corporations. You are going to have a stimulus. You're going to have companies right now that are going to be buying items that think that they're going to have the ability to write those off. That is going to happen. You're going to have this growth that happens, and then in seven years it's going to drop off when this is not renewed. All the benefit at that point goes to the corporations. It does not go to the individuals. And the promise is that they will then pass one that goes with the individuals. Instead of taking care of the American public now, and then saying in seven years they'll readdress the corporation. That's simple. That is simple to show where your alliance is. Any political party, right there. If they were in alliance for the American people, they would make that their priority. And then they would address the corporations in the future. If you're centered with the corporations, then you're going to focus on that and take care of the American people first. Very simple to see. And we may not have an option to pass this or to, to look past this. The reason I say that is they have until December 8th. The reason they have until December 8th is because they passed a, a temporary um, budget to basically pay for the government to stay running until December 8th because they have not been able to pass a budget for the year to fund the government for this last year. Um, they just keep kicking it down the road. They're supposed to have done this back in May, I think it was, was the original deadline, and they just keep kicking it down. Well, now that deadline is December 8th. Now, what they did in the last one is they actually had a setup to where they made it to where a filibuster could not be done by the Democrats and also made it to where only 50 votes were needed, which is key, because the Republicans are going to have a hard time getting the 50 votes. Once they get those 50 votes, then they may have to use the nuclear option to do that. Then they pass it in the Senate. The House has already passed their tax fund. So once they pass this in the Senate, and they're looking to have this vote next week, once that comes together, then a committee is formed between the House and the Senate. They write something up, give it to the president. He signed it. It goes into law. That's how quick. Donald Trump is coming out. I mean, President Donald Trump is going out now and saying, Congress, this is your responsibility. This is the Christmas present to the American people. You know, I mean, uh, I, I always thought of it as a Christmas bonus to Donald Trump. You know, he's worked hard this entire year. And so this, this tax plan is a, is a Christmas bonus to Donald Trump. I mean, him alone, not only in the tax plan is it built in that there's a discount or a tax break to golf course owners. I'm not making this up, but there's actually something in there that talks about giving a tax break to golf course owners. But also, Donald Trump himself is looking to make an extra $20 million a year on this new tax plan. So, Merry Christmas. There's your bonus. 
that's that's uh that's wonderful when you are able to make the rules and make your own pay plan and you know make your own bonuses it's it's quite quite nice when you have that ability and you know i mean this is this is just kind of lays back to kind of the 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 game the the rules that have been played and and what we're starting to see is we're starting to see the chess match that has been hidden from mankind for quite a while and and that lays within the banking organizations within money i mean cuz not only is money the root of all evil but money also is what people tend to do and protect as much as possible. You know, they may sacrifice a house, they may sacrifice a car, but their actual wealth, their billions, their millions, they're going to do everything they can to retain it. And through that actions, you can see what their ulterior motives are. You know, we have this, this war, this economic war that's going on between the United States, China, uh, Europe is having their issues, and and no one knows what to do with their money. I mean, we talked about how they're throwing into Bitcoin, and and Bitcoin is looking to possibly hit ten thousand this next week. I mean, that's what they're estimating, ten thousand per coin for something that is imaginary. <laughs> yeah, it's a digital currency that you can you know, buy things without being traced and supposedly it's absolutely wonderful. But if you truly believe that corporations, that countries are going to allow a currency to be unregulated and completely untraceable, good luck. And, and they're already making moves to regulate it. Um, they're, they're talking about opening up a futures contract for Bitcoin, which means basically you'd be able to buy of Bitcoin in the future. Same thing they did in the gold and silver markets in the same way that they are speculated. And, you know, I mean, JP Morgan's testified and, and I think Goldman Sachs has as well about the regulation in the silver market that they've used with these future contracts. So once that opens up, there you go, Bitcoin, you're in the same situation as gold and silver. You're going to be manipulated down just like everything else. Another bubble that's burst wealth from individuals taken. And that is what people are not seeing is this right now is a money grab. This whole system everywhere you look is a money grab. This this tax plan is a money grab. Allowing corporations to bring their money overseas or requiring that they bring their money back from overseas is a money grab. The ECB, the European Central Bank, made it as obvious as you could make it this last week. And and what I mean by that is they, they announced that they will no longer be offering protection for covered deposits and that withdrawals will be limited when a bank is on the verge of failure. You know, Matthew's brought this up the last couple of weeks about how in Greece, when the chaos happened in the economic system in Greece, that individuals were only able to pull out 65 euros a day from the bank account. Didn't million, it didn't matter if you had $16 billion in the bank account, you could pull out 65 bucks. That's it. Central banks just made that rule for all of Europe. And they also just took out what's equivalent to the FDIC. 
basically saying your deposits that you have in your bank are no longer protected. So why are they anticipating this? Well, they, they specifically come out and they say, you know, current deposits of 100,000 euros, which are protected in the event of like a bail-in, would no longer receive this protection. However, this issue is not the most substantial. The report also suggests that banks would be able to limit the depositors' access to their own funds. Why would a bank make it so you can't have access to your own money? They unless they don't want you to have your money. What we learned during the Great Depression is many banks had to shut down because of bank runs, because people pulling their money out too fast. And banks make their money because they lend your money so they don't have your money. So when everyone comes to ask for their money, they don't have it. They close up shop because they can't pay you and everyone loses. So they put an insurance in place to make sure the government would step in place to where if that ever happens, the banks didn't have to necessarily die and the people didn't lose all their money. Well, we can officially say in Europe that was the good old days. That was the uh, <laughs> the wild, wild west, I guess you could say. <laughs> you know, I mean, we are starting to live in this this alternative alternative world. It's it's just unbelievable to see it opening up and to see how these this power grab is is unfolding and how the control is there and how the fear tactics are being put in place. I mean, I don't know if anyone's been looking into this, but under the Obama administration, there was net neutrality rules that were put in place, basically making the Internet accessible to everyone. That is why we have Kim Kardashian. That is why we have Paris Hilton. That is why we have any of the Internet stars that have risen up through the Internet. That is why... You know, we here um, are able to talk on Block Talk Radio, and that Block Talk Radio was able to rise as well, or that Twitter was able to rise, or any of these these companies have got to the point is because they had the ability to be on even ground with everyone else. They're looking to roll that back next week. They're, they're putting plans into place to make it to where there's priority placed on the large corporations. So Walmart, because Walmart owns so much stuff, or Google, because Google is owning everything and buying everything, they would have priority to put whatever they want in front of everyone, and there's no rules to make it so that what I publish or what you publish actually is ever seen. They'll just bury it. The freedom of information, the freedom of speech, is freedom of of mankind that the internet has been able to give us this, this window of opportunity that we had to share information is coming to a close because it's going to be catered to corporations, catered to those that can pay those that are worthy. So if you're not seeing a connection going on here, then, then please open your eyes more. You see money, massive amounts of money from a tax plan given to corporations. You see a tax plan that is allowing trillions, and Donald Trump has said trillions 
of dollars to come in from overseas. You have net neutrality rules that are making it so that way corporations can control what we see. We have healthcare that is falling apart before our eyes. And our saviors are corporations. So you can put the pieces together. You can look at it as much as you want. But what are they trying to scare us into? What are they trying to push into? I mean, we have this world of control that people are being driven crazy about. And and there's reports, I mean, there's reports that came out the International Business Times is saying, you know, that they're worried that the EU counterterrorism coordinator said that one of their biggest threats is that biological weapons are going to be unleashed on European cities with the use of drones. I didn't even want to talk about that because, I mean, the, the reality of that in itself is a prospect that I don't think any of us want to encounter in our lives. But that is where we are headed. That is, that is reality. That is our, our reality. And before I hand it back over to Matthew, I just want to loop it back to, I, you know, we talked a, a couple weeks ago about, you know, the shooting in Texas and the church. And there's been reports on the Internet of, of churches putting, um, you know, signs on the door saying, hey, beware, we're fully packed, you know, that we're packing and we're bringing guns to church. And this, this disturbs me because, I mean, you know, I was, I was young enough, but I, I remember what happened in Waco, Texas, what happened with the Branch Davidians, and they were armed, and they were, you know, good, bad, and different. They were a church. And if you guys are going to lead your fuck to lead into that direction, the government's already proven their stance. They've already proven what they would do in that situation. And I would just do everything I could to keep guns out of your congregations. So, Matthew, I'll hand it back over to you. Boy, that's an understatement. Uh, (laughs) What a scary thought. Ladies and gentlemen, um, everybody at church packing. Um, that is literally insane. But ladies and gentlemen, let's 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 really take a good look at what Clinton was describing going on in the government. Ladies and gentlemen, there's no such thing as a Republican. There's no such thing as a Democrat. There's no such thing as a democracy either, because If you can't sit down and make up a list, a light item list of descriptors for what we're living in right now, you will do nothing more than create a definition for kleptocracy, ladies and gentlemen. Why do you think one of Lenin's biggest supporters, uh, Leon Trotsky, Why do you think he called and compared Lenin to Robespierre? You you know what amazes me? You really don't know. You really don't know that the Bolshevik Revolution 
was nothing more than a repeat of the French Revolution. Do you know why those two events occurred? Well, it's because kleptocracies had been formed and people were starving to death. It amazes me how people don't – they cannot see through the propaganda. I mean they actually just can't go back and check the numbers. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, the farmers in Russia were starving, and due to hyperinflation because of wartime expenditures, the workers in the cities experienced hyperinflation, and they couldn't afford to buy anything. Oh, I'm sorry, you didn't know that? No, you've been taught something else. You've been taught that all the people of Russia got together because they just didn't like the you know, Republicans that were in charge or the Democrats that were in charge. No, ladies and gentlemen, that's not what happened. The people farming was tired of farming and not owning their own land because the banksters owned their property just like today. You know, let's – does any of you know what seed money is? You don't, do you? Well, that's a common term with farmers. Seed money was normally, historically, a million dollars. Now farmers will laugh at you. Now, they'll tell you this in private. Yeah, um, that worked when a tractor was 1000 The problem is tractors are now 350000 And, of course, all of them know it. All of them know that, really, the only farmers there are are the ones that the banks will give loans to. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, that's right where we was at with Rose Pierre and Lennon. I mean, it amazes me how all you people think that something mystical happened in the French Revolution. No, even though all of you know that infamous phrase that, well, if we don't have, you know, any bread, give them cake. Ladies and gentlemen, Clinton has described the perfect setup. There's no stopping it now, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to tell you what they're going to do with their tax breaks. What they did the last time, it's just the Americans were too stupid to know it. I'm going to tell you what the rich is going to do with the tax breaks. They're going to take those tax breaks, pay the politicians to pass even more laws that they can make even more money. It's what they did last time. It's what they're going to do this time. And the American people just ain't quite to the breaking point yet, like the people of France was, or the people of Russia. You'll be tired of it soon enough. I mean, Clinton is talking about, you know, well, it's not normal for people to want to share. No, 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 no. It's normal for people not to want to share. 
we're done down this road. I mean, it was done published when in the New York Times that this was uh, the me decade? That was the 70s. Ladies and gentlemen, I have talked personally with people that don't give a flying rip what happens to their own parents. As long as their retirement's secure, they don't give a flying rip about even their own spouses. Ladies and gentlemen, let's just talk about this middle class, shall we? Let's, let's do that. Just so you all know, it's common knowledge that the American, what you call middle class and upper middle class, they do not marry for love, and they haven't for quite some time. I mean, my daughter presently has been horrified at the conversation she has listened to that uh, her fellow classmates are having. Flying rip about love. They're just wanting to know what this boy's degree major is and what how much his family makes. So they talk to each other to pay attention to which boys are doing what and try to get as much information out of them as they can. Find out where they're from so they can look at local newspapers to see how much they're worth. Oh, yeah. You all have forgotten. Due to self-induced stupidity, you're going to find out what the French people, why they revolted. You're going to find out why the Russian people revolted. You're going to find out. I mean, don't insult my intelligence. I know absolutely, 100%, that the majority of you, the last thing you will do is follow either of the greatest commandments, the first one being love the Lord your God. That ain't happening. Number two, love thy neighbor as thyself. Is that a joke? I mean, ladies and gentlemen, it wasn't too awfully long ago I was sitting in the foyer because Aaron just been born. Bottles were foreign to him. Me? I don't care. His mother needed to hear the Sunday sermon. It was, of course, inappropriate for Aaron to be fed at that particular moment in time, so he went out to the forest with me. He's allowed to cry. I didn't have a problem with him crying. Ah, yes. Cold January day, I'll never forget it. Eight inches of snow on the ground. All of a sudden, the door opens. Blast of cold air hits my son, and, well, that don't catch me quite right. So my emotions swell up in my face, and I turn around and give this woman a very mean look. Which I regret. But she um, asked the usher if she could at least stay in the 
church for a little while to warm up. She'd stay in the foyer, but she needed help because uh, she didn't have a place to live. She didn't have any food. And guess what the usher did? He kicked her out. He kicked her out. You can't lie to me. I mean, riddle me this. You know, I got to talking with a friend of mine about the book of Malachi yesterday. Really? If your church does not have a food pantry, uh, that's not a church. Don't insult my intelligence. So, everybody likes to talk, all these people that's been, and it's amazing to me how they all say the same thing. They've been biblical uh, experts in eschatology for 20 years, and that's like a magic number or something. Really? Is that right? Well, by God, I don't know what you think a hook and a jaw is, but you're going to get one, ladies and gentlemen. Pierre is live and well. Lenin is alive and well. And you elected them. You elected them. And God's going to do to you the same exact thing that he did with the children of Israel with Saul. You're going to get your elected officials both barrels right square in the chest at point-blank range. Just today, I was uh, sent a video, started watching it, in absolute horror. You know, it's amazing how some people, you actually have the hope that uh, they're your friends. But this person started uh, describing the poor. Well, I... I'll tell you how he described him. He described him basically in the same exact words that King Herod would use. Boy, is he going to get a real kick out of the Lord his God and what the Lord his God thinks. Ladies and gentlemen, you're an idiot if you think you're living in a democracy. It is a kleptocracy. They will take the tax cuts with that extra money. They will pass even more money under the table to the politicians. That's what they did last time, ladies and gentlemen. With trickle-down economics, you don't remember what happened? I'll tell you. All the corporations started immediately building factories in other countries. You idiots. Remember what trickle-down economics did to, I don't know, the farmers? Oh, oh, that's right. You don't care. I mean, I've actually spoken with a 28-year-old man. We were both standing there watching a combine go through and harvest the wheat. And he actually turned to me and said, why do they have such big lawnmowers? And I had to go on to describe him what flour was, 
what bread was. He had no idea. And yes, he graduated high school. He had no idea how bread was made. He thought that these farmers just liked being alone and having great big yards and have great big lawnmowers to mow the grass. I mean, when I try to speak with somebody in the 18 to 34-year age group, try to have an intelligent conversation with them, it's impossible. Intelligence escapes them due to entertainment. It escapes them. But that's all right. The same exact circumstances were described by the Lord my God through his prophets. Described them to a T. But not in the King James Version of that, I can assure you. But what he said, I can see. And I know exactly what he's talking about. It's a shame that you don't. You will. You will. Just wait and see. Because the Lord your God, he knows who it is that wants his will to be done and who it is that wants their own will to be done. Oh, he knows your name. I mean, you not, might not have a reckoning of the technical data that defines how it is that he knows every hair on your head. But you will. You will. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, I have no idea what Clinton was talking about, this wallpaper in the present POTUS's apartment or something. If that be true, well, it answers the question that's been nagging at me for a while. What is it that makes the fury of the Lord my God come up in his face? Why does he phrase it that way in Hebrew? It's very wonderful how he phrases it. Very awesome. It's over most preachers' heads. What would it take? Appreciate that video I was sent today. Changing, trying to change the Word of God absolutely blew my mind. He, uh, well, perhaps I shouldn't talk too much about it. I don't know. It's not my job to worry about him. He can believe with all of his heart that he can exchange the word holiness in the Bible for security. Just start switching around words. and If that makes him feel better, cool. If not, boy, is he in for one.
heck of a ride. You are listening to the End Time Tribune. I am Matthew Miller, and I do serve the Lord my God. And that's one thing you can definitely take to the bank. This is Nathan, and you're listening to Reawaken Hymns. For more information and hymn resources, check out my website, www.reawakenhymns.com, or find me on YouTube at Reawaken Hymns.
I want to thank Nate for those breaks. Um, that break certainly did put a spirit of peace over me, and for that I am grateful. Ladies and gentlemen, please try to do this. Please try to memorize the Lord's Prayer. And I don't mean like a school play. Try to memorize it like you would a list of facts before a test in school. Try actually believing it. I know I did. I was never taught it was some fairy tale. Not ever. And for that, I'm eternally grateful as well. Well, Brian, it is your turn up to bat. Um, you've been sending me some Skypes here that uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable, ladies and gentlemen, and things that's going on right underneath our nose. So, Brian, the mic is yours. Well, you know, I think that's one way to put it. You know, things going on underneath our nose. And, you know, one thing I got to point out, something that really 
sort of stood out over this last week is, look, folks, our media, our standard news media is really running us through the ringer. We have been getting all kinds of different, uh, we'll get releases with headlines that will state one thing, which, you know, I'm getting to the point where I kind of get the, uh, get the idea that maybe people are not reading these articles. They're reading the headlines and they think that's what the facts are. But then you go in and look at the article and it completely contradicts the headline. And we're going to see that come along a little bit later here with once again, things, uh, things swirling around in the United States with the infamous, well, they want to keep you believing it's a Russian scandal, but the problem is it's got everything to do with Ukraine. And, you know, I've noticed this in quite a few areas. On top of it, we're getting, uh, you know, we're getting news sources that are posting stories from, you know, British, for instance, tabloids. You know, there's a good three, four, five sites out there you'll never see me post a story from because I know that they're a tabloid. And, you know, uh, say here in the United States, we have what the, I think it's a National Enquirer. I mean, that's essentially what these news sites are. And everybody posts these things thinking they're actual news and you end up finding out that they're just make-believe. But... To go into some of the uh, breaking situations we've got going on, you know, that I guess everybody else seems to think there's nothing really happening other than, you know, this scandal and that scandal. And, oh, well, look at that. Supposedly Trump was going to get the um, Man of the Year on Time magazine. And, well, it turns out that that was just make-believe as well. But, hey, that's the land we live in nowadays, isn't it? Now, the circumstances as we speak between Iraq and Syria both are once again sort of getting a little bit on the serious side. Iraq right now has got, once again, just like after the first Iraqi, when the United States came in and illegally occupied Iraq in 2003, moving on forward and then removed their troops, they had all the sectarian fighting that broke out amongst the different groups between the Shiite and the Sunni, and so on and so forth. This later led to the rise of ISIS. We all know what happened next. Well, this is beginning to start happening again in Iraq as things have calmed down and they've removed ISIS. We've got sectarian fighting happening all over again. That's not leading anywhere good, and we still have massive repercussions from what happened during the... uh, Kurdish referendum there that now Baghdad said that they have to completely nullify that and everything has kind of flipped itself in reverse but I would not completely throw the Kurds out of the equation yet because they're turning out to be a major factor due north in Syria and they're seeing this as one of the biggest uh playing cards right now that America is going to throw onto the table and still cause instability. We had the uh, talks between Russia, Turkey, and Iran with uh, Bashar al-Assad was also present at this meeting trying to bring an end to the uh, Syrian civil war that's been taking place. 
And for the most part, they're stating that things have pretty much calmed down. They're trying to move forward for peace, but they have a big roadblock in the way. Uh, Reuters had released an article earlier in the week stating that there was over 2,000 United States troops sitting inside of Syria as we speak, even though they are not legally permitted to be there. There's no UN resolution. There has been no approval for those troops to be inside of Syria, and they are refusing to leave. Now, there's been talks going on back and forth between the the, uh, Kurds in Syria and between Erdogan and Trump, where he's stating they are not going to arm the Kurdish people there any longer in Syria, but we know how that goes. They say one thing, they do something completely contrary to that. Right now, basically the biggest things they're pointing out as a roadblock from this uh, peace treaty even happening in Syria literally is the United States. On top of it, Riyadh, Saudi Arabia had meetings with the Syrian opposition this week, which there's infighting with them. They fired their main top leader. That's all in complete disarray. And, of course, Riyadh is upset because they lost the Syrian civil war. Which leads us back over to good old Saudi Arabia here with Mr. Uh, Mohammed bin Salman. Because, once again, there's all kinds of interesting stuff floating on around out there concerning that situation with his soft coup, with the rounding up, with the corruption. They are taking the money, basically, from these people. There's an unfortunately... uh, unverifiable story that came out that came from the Daily Mail. Uh, Once again, British tabloid, and anybody that had half a brain actually would quote this in their article, which I saw maybe one or two that caught it, that this is not a reliable source that can be trusted whatsoever, but there's claims that Blackwater is there. Here's where things get problematic with making claims that Blackwater is there. For one, Blackwater no longer exists. Secondly, The group was bought out by another owner here in the United States. That is run by Academi. Is it possible that we have groups from Eric Prince's mercenary army, Frontier Services there? Now, that's more probable because we know for a fact that there were troops that were being sent over into Africa and some of the Arabian countries by Frontier Services. But unless we get a source that actually isn't a tabloid, It's a little hard to verify if he has those uh, groups from Eric Prince in there on the ground torturing these uh, varied Saudi Arabian diplomats and, well, sheiks, tribal leaders. It's a little bit different on how things run there in Saudi Arabia as we're used to in the Western world. So are they there? We don't know. It might be a bunch of make-believe. It's hard telling. Now, this week... On top of it, Lebanon's leader Harari came back to Lebanon and retook up his post as prime minister. Can we find any information about this, what's happening whatsoever? It's almost silent on it. We had a uh, story that broke on the 25th, I believe that's today. Yep, on that would be today. Came out of Reuters here, Lebanon's Harari takes critical line on Hezbollah. 
and it basically goes into state that uh, he said on Saturday that he would not accept Iran's backed Hezbollah's positions that affect our Arab brothers or target the security and stability of their countries, a statement from his press office said. The statement did not specify which countries he met. But here is the thing. Harari, folks, he is basically his place of residence is Saudi Arabia. His family is there. The information on if he was being held against his will in Saudi Arabia is still not been settled as far as many people are concerned within the uh, media and what's being reported. Nobody knows for certain what has happened here but nonetheless, when you have a coalition government that is formed between groups, two different groups where Hezbollah happens to be one of them, this kind of thing right here is going to cause a massive rift inside of Lebanon, no matter how you look at it. So this could be leading towards a possible civil war inside of Lebanon, not to even mention the fact that Israel this week, uh, I believe it was Lieberman, pretty much uh, pointed, wanted to basically gain billions of dollars for defense spending for a possibility of an upcoming war with Lebanon. And that's been a lot of the rumble back and forth is pointing at Israel being behind this, Saudi Arabia, and of course, as I pointed out, and as many of these groups seem to keep missing over and over and over again, or they put in there to kind of mislead you. The week all of this happened, Kushner was in Saudi Arabia. Now, they will stay last month, but that's where they get you, because the month changed over prior to this happening. He was there within that same week. He had multiple visits with this leader of Lebanon, uh, Jared Kushner, and uh, the other major delegate that's been working out there in Israel, uh, Greenblatt, and I can't remember off the top of my head what the other one was. So we've still got this situation boiling over. Now, there's definitely been a lot of mention of uh, talks going on between the PLO and Hamas that have been taking place in Egypt, and it's been pretty uh, closed-lipped as far as what transpired in the meetings this week. But today there was some news that came out of uh, Ruth Shiva that basically pointed out that Hamas has no intention whatsoever of disarming. So where this goes, it's not certain. But considering the United States had just recently made a move to remove the PLO's office in Washington, D.C., but then they turned around and backtracked, and we're going to decide at a later time if they indeed start moving forward with his, uh, Trump calls it his mega deal for peace in the Middle East, then they will reconsider if they're going to kick them out or not. I wouldn't exactly uh, say that that's going any place good. And let's see here. Well, we might as well move straight into the big stuff that I kind of... Uh, stumbled into here because, you know, for a few weeks, things appeared like they were kind of quiet on the Ukrainian front, or so we thought. 
Now, in the Ukraine, there was a spat that led to, uh, basically, there was troops on the street and almost to the point of a civil war between the opposition leaders or the separatist leader that was appointed in the eastern Ukraine. And as of today, the new separatist leader obviously won, and he's now been appointed. Um, this has still been floating around, and it's already been passed through one of the uh, spots within the house, and this is the uh, arming of the Ukraine with defensive weapons. Um, this is an article out of Newsweek. There's a real possibility that the United States will finally send lethal defensive weapons to the Ukraine. The country has been fighting a defensive war in the East for nearly four years after Russia seized Crimea, blah, blah, blah. Okay, uh, many experts have argued that better weapons would change the tactical imbalance between Kiev and Moscow. President Barack Obama resisted the idea, fearing that it would only escalate the conflict. Now the National Security Council has approved a $47 million grant package that would send anti-tank javelin systems, a counter-battery radar, and counter-mortar weapons to Ukraine and forwarded its opinions to President Donald Trump for consideration. This is the latest step in the process that reflects the approval of the State Department, Pentagon, and Congress. Let's see here. There is definitely more to this article, folks, but you can go out there and look this up. Um, now, this one just popped out of uh, off of usnews.com. This came out actually yesterday at 2 p.m. Russia has deployed thousands of tanks and troops to Ukraine, U.S. official says. Uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia, the Russian government has deployed thousands of armored vehicles and troops into Ukraine to support separatist rebels in the war-torn country's eastern region. Ukraine's top defense official says, despite repeated assertions from Moscow of min minimal military involvement there. So... Going further down here, Kirkman says 2,000 Russian armed vehicles and a couple thousand Russian soldiers are operating in the contested Donetsk and Luhansk provinces of eastern Ukraine, known collectively as the Donbass. So Russia's moving troops in there. We've had nonstop reports about NATO moving troops along the border, not to even mention that we've had United States armor divisions that were put out there with no date for them to be called back whatsoever quite some time ago. Now, all of this between this Russian-Ukraine-NATO-United States situation has been slowly simmering in the background, and I ain't altogether too certain that many people have been paying attention to this. I've been watching little hits take place here over the course of the last couple of weeks, and it's really begin to sort of start to boil. And this is where things start to get interesting. Now, for people that were listening to us back in 2012, you might remember this guy. Ex-Georgian leader Saakashvili challenges Ukraine government. And a new challenge to the Ukrainian leadership, opposition leader Mikhail Saakashvili, the former 
president of Georgia said Monday that Ukraine needs a new cabinet and he's ready to lead it. The assertion from Saakashvili, a former ally of Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko, who has staged a series of protests against him, comes as the nation grapples with enormous problems. You see, it gets real interesting because, folks, we talked about this earlier in the year. He was kicked out of the Ukraine. He was running, I believe he was the government over Odessa in the Ukraine, and they kicked him out. So what happened? He walked back in the back door and came in there anyways. And there's been all sorts of protests backing Saakashvili that's been happening out in the Ukraine in this last week. Once again, we got another article here. Uh, this is from the 20th. Saakashvili, I'm ready to lead Ukraine's government. A little ironic until I stumbled onto something because, ironically enough, where I posted my original pieces concerning this earlier in the week disappeared, I ran his name and something very disturbing turned up that Multiple articles coming out between the 24th and the 25th. In other words, within the last 24 hours, folks. And there is ridiculous, ridiculous amounts of evidence that is linking Mikhail Saakashvili with the 2014 Maiden sniper massacre that happened. And we've talked about this extensively in the past, folks. It was a neo-Nazi group that came in there. It was the Western-backed forces that opened fire on the protesters there in Maidan. And this has been proven by BBC and a whole slew of other reputable news sources. So this is not make-believe, but you don't hear about this being spoken of in the West whatsoever. As I said, I've got three articles sitting right here in front of me, and he's implicated all over the place in this. And like it or not, folks, this makes things real ugly for this current administration. Because oh, um, good old Mr. Mikhail Saakashvili and Donald Trump are good buddies. You might want to look into that. Let's see here. What else? Make sure I didn't... Uh, let's see. U.S. designates North Korea as a state sponsor of terror. Not good either. And I think for the time being, I can hand it back over. I'm just kind of trying to scan through here. Like I brought up too as well, it's been massive uh, protest happening in Pakistan... Um, I'd seen it going on throughout the week. I didn't know what the cause was, but apparently some law was written into effect that made mention of Muhammad within the law, and it caused a massive, uh, massive breakout of protest. And uh, at different points throughout the week, there was actually three different cities that this was happening in. Today, they shut down uh, social media and media access to these protests in order to, I would have to say, probably stop the fact so that they cannot communicate between one another. There was also speculation coming out of Pakistan today that somehow ties India into this mix. So 
this might be a situation to keep your eye on because if something flares up on a major scale between Pakistan and India, this is going to get ugly. So that's it for the time being. I'm going to scan through my news from the rest of the week and see if there's anything I left out while you guys uh, take the mic. All right, Brian. Uh, Clinton, your comments on what Brian had to cover, and then you can move right on to additional comments if you'd like and any of the topics you'd like to cover. Yeah, you know, Brian uh, mentioned something towards the end of his diatribe that, uh, you know, sparked something else. It is North Korea has just been put back on the uh, uh, list of the terrorist organizations or the terrorist funding uh, governments. And, and that's a, a big, big deal because, I mean, this is kind of the groundwork from a legal standpoint. I mean, we, we know that Saudi Arabia has been classifying Iran as a funder of terrorism as well and the iranian republican guard has been classified i believe as by the united nations as a terrorist organization um hezbollah has been classified recently in the last week as well um as a terrorist organization and then you know we have israel talking about going into syria um there's a lot of reports right now of hezbollah and israel like hezbollah like their military is ready uh, for an Israeli invasion or vice versa. Um, Israel's ready for an invasion from Hezbollah. Um, and all that's going on in, in Lebanon, yeah, there might be a civil war that breaks out, but then you have the situation that Hezbollah went into Syria and backed Assad in, in his civil war. So why would Assad not help Hezbollah in any kind of war they may have in Lebanon? or any war they may have in Israel. So, so that is developing right there. And, and you have these weird little arms deals that are going on. Trump is like turning into the biggest peddler of United States weaponry ever. It seems like it's ridiculous. I mean, he just sold a whole bunch of weapons to North Korea, a whole bunch of weapons to Japan, a whole bunch of weapons to Saudi Arabia. Like, this deal that he made with Saudi Arabia is $110 billion in weapons. I mean, this, this article, I got excited when I saw Saudi Arabia was going to buy $7 billion of it to, you know, from uh, Raytheon and Boeing. And I was like, wow, $7 billion, that's a big deal. And then I was reading the article, and it said 110 is the overall deal, $110 billion. And then you have Russia going around selling arms to other countries as well. And then you have Israel doing the same thing. I mean, uh, uh, the U.K. just bought uh, the, the um, Israeli dome shield. So that way they could have that uh, – what was the exact title of it? Yeah, the Iron Dome. So they bought that technology. And in the midst of this, you have India withdraw an order from Israel. I mean, India had a set to where they were going to buy 321 launchers and – uh, 8,356 fire-and-forget missiles from Israel. I mean, the, the technology I don't necessarily know, but that sounds a lot of weaponry, and they just stopped. They said, no, we're going to develop them ourselves. We're not going to buy this from Israel. Where it was big news earlier in the year when India and Israel were getting buddy-buddy, when they were starting to talk and be diplomatic, and then now all of a sudden that... Israel and Saudi Arabia are getting buddy-buddy. You see this distance from India because that, that deal, that arms deal was a big deal between them. And China's been trying to court India. So 
Yeah, whatever's happening in Pakistan with these riots, with these cra- this crackdown, you always have to look at what's going on in India as well. Um, because those two nuclear powers, if they ever get too upset with each other, that could start into something major. But it seems like what, what seems to be happening now is that it's, the plan seems to be set up to where Saudi Arabia is, in an essence, unhappy with Iran. Israel is unhappy with Lebanon and Syria, and the United States is unhappy with North Korea. Saudi Arabia this last week went to Egypt and had a meeting of the, the Arab nations, and they were going to talk about you know, what to do with Iran. And all the countries were invited, and there were certain countries that didn't show up. And I'm sure you could guess what countries didn't show up, and that was Iran, Iraq, Syria, and Lebanon. So, so you could see where this alliance is, where this this group is. All the other Arab countries, and Israel was included, and Israel was invited, and Israel did go. So this is very interesting how this is all working out, how Russia is in the mix. And you talk about what Brian was bringing up with Ukraine, how Ukraine is is getting involved again, how this is starting to wind up, how this is starting to begin. That was the original hub is Russia wanted to go into Ukraine. That's what started all of this. But instead, he got drugged down into Syria. And now Ukraine is starting up. That's when Europe, the chaos is going on there. The German government is in chaos right now. Merkel doesn't know what to do. She cannot get the the groups to back her government. She was talking about having a re-election. Germany is in chaos. The European Union has been relying on Germany and their banking system. The only two countries that were even somewhat solvent that, that were trying to hold the EU up was France and Germany. And with Germany sputtering, everyone's looking to the new leader in Merkel. Or not Merkel, but Marcon in France. So you have a change going on there. You have the, the rise of this alt-right, neo-Nazi crazy, whatever you want to call it. They they recently had 60,000 protesters in Poland for the alt-right, for this rise of nationalism, this this whatever you want to call it that's rising in the globe right now. That recently happened. So, you know, yeah, what's what's developing in Israel is very unique. What happened in, in the the Sinai Peninsula is very interesting. And unfortunately, it seems like something is coming to a very, very, very drastic head very, very soon. So I'll hand it back over to you, Matthew. Well, you know what? Let me describe something to everybody. Um, This is historical fact. Let's get back to the Bolsheviks, what really happened. Let me just read these uh, oh, three or four sentences. Not much. World War One added to the chaos. Conscription swept across the unwilling uh, Russia. Vast demand for factory production of war supplies and workers caused many more labor riots and strikes. 
Conscription stripped skilled workers from the cities who had to be replaced with unskilled peasants. And then when famine began to hit, <laughs> workers abandoned the cities in droves seeking food. Finally, the soldiers, who suffered from lack of equipment and protection from the elements, began to turn against the establishment. <laughs> oh, ladies and gentlemen, I've done such in-depth historical research into how this all happened. That's where you're going, because when you get to the figures and start looking at the figures, what was going on economically, the hyperinflation that ensued after the war, I've got a couple of questions for you, because I know exactly what the czar was doing. Let me ask you this. Clinton just mentioned that the current POTUS is the biggest distributor of American weaponry in, well, in at least recent history, correct? So tell me. That is correct. Ladies and so so tell me. Um the Saudis just bought billions of dollars worth of weapons, right? So that those funds were accredited to Congress? Here, let me tell you what the czar was doing. <laughs> See, ladies and gentlemen, you get Congress to pass a military expenditure bill. Those weapons are commissioned to be built by, of course, the barons. Then the government turns around and sells those to a foreign inter- entity but you don't get the money. Ladies and gentlemen, you're actually dumb enough to think <laughs> that the weapons we just sold your enemies, and I mean you personally, billions of dollars worth of weaponry to your enemies, you actually think that those funds was accredited to Congress. This is what happened to all those people that were supporting the establishment. Um, same exact thing happened once war started. But then all of a sudden, the soldiers weren't making enough money to eat. You see. So they started leaving these cities in a mass exodus looking for food, going out to the farmers to look for food, but the Farmers, of course, didn't have anything. It was then that they realized these two groups of people got together and realized that only 1.5% of the farmers owed the land they were farming. So the soldiers showed up all upset. Hey, man, give us some food. What are you talking about? The barons, through the banks, they're the ones that owned the land. It's not our land. All the profit we get has to go to interest payments. (laughs) You really didn't know that, did you? You honestly think that the sworn enemies of America would deposit funds in the order of billions of dollars into the American government's account? 
I mean, surely you're not that dumb. But, you know, let's really talk about this, Clinton. Uh, if I remember correctly, the first thing that must be established before all constitutional restraint is lifted against the country is you must first declare that country to be, oh yes, a terrorist state, correct? This is how we got into um, Afghanistan, right? That is correct. You just stated that this government has declared North Korea to be a terrorist state. Did I did hear you correctly or no? Yes. Do you understand what that means? Because I've been on the DMZ, Clinton. My wife, let, let's make sure all of you are perfectly clear with what happened with my wife. Korea is a hardship tour. My wife was banned for coming, so she went to Chicago to the consulate, applied for her own visa, and she came to Korea anyway and lived in a hovel. What you just said is that we formally have permission to send terrorist cells into North Korea because once you set foot on North Korean land – Without having declared war by the Congress, you're actually a terrorist cell, whether you're working for the American military or not, via official or most likely unofficial means. So that can be Marines or it can be Blackwater or – oh, Academa, I think is what they, they call themselves now. But I don't think that the people realized what you said. But they don't know the North Korean people. They catch any Americans on their soil, and they will declare war, and they will launch. They're not going to have a problem with it because they are all of one heart and one mind that we are actually holding captive all of their relatives in South Korea. I don't think I know that. I live there. Now, I appreciate that a lot of my information <laughs> come via the Koreans because they fell in love with my wife because my wife didn't understand that if you give them food from our commissary on post, we can go to jail. That's contraband. You can get your husband in jail. My wife feared the Lord her God and him more than she loved her husband, so… Whenever she would get groceries, she'd have to go off range, of course, because like I said, she was not permitted to be there. She was there as an American citizen, so walking off post with groceries was illegal. It's contraband. And uh, whenever the locals would see her with a bag of oranges, they would, of course, ask her for orangey. That's, that's how they pronounce it, orangey, because they can't say orange. They have to add the E. Well, it didn't take my wife too long before they all absolutely loved her. They they hated my guts. Make make no mistakes. We got all the inside information out of their mouths. And I'm here to tell you, you don't want the North Koreans catching American terrorist cells on their soil. 
because they'll pick the closest target, the most juicy target, and they will launch. And I understand that the Lord our God has given us ample warning about this because everybody knows that basically Japan has been irradiated again. But most stupid Americans stay there anyway because of the money that they make. Ladies and gentlemen, they're not going to strike South Korea, you bunch of idiots. They're not going to kill their own families, you bunch of morons. But you can believe whatever ABC or NBC or CNN or Fox tells you. Believe whatever they say. <laughs> I'm here to tell you they will hit Americans, and they will hit Americans hard. Now, there's a whole lot of Americans in two places. One, aforementioned, Japan. Next, ah, yes, Hong Kong. You didn't want to hear that, did you? It's the truth. So with that in mind, Clinton, what's your thoughts on that, that we just declared North Korea a, a terrorist state? Does that make you nervous at all, or maybe just a little bit? What's, what do you think about that, Clint? Well, I, I think it's just part of the, part of the plan. I think uh, the ultimate plan is that uh, North Korea, Iran, and, and Syria um, probably get hit, and possibly simultaneously. Um, it seems like that's the way that it's working out is we're arming off our allies and we're picking fights with three different uh, foes all at the same time. And it just makes sense. If you're going to hit one, you got to hit them all. Right. Yeah, I agree. That kind of makes sense. Brian, your thoughts, comments? Well, I mean, you know, you got to point out the irony of, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, right-wing news sources want to point out that, you know, Trump has taken this infamous stand against the deep state, and yet people don't comprehend that most of the uh, the people that build all these weapons are part of the deep state and they're selling all these weapons to folks that are going to be involved in conflicts with all of these areas that were just mentioned by everybody. So then putting North Korea on this list, but didn't folks, I mean, didn't, didn't he run a campaign stating that we weren't going to be the policemen of the world? We weren't going to jump into wars everywhere? Or did everybody forget about that? Because every single thing that he ran on, his whole platform, was all a crock. And it's all out in broad daylight now, and yet everybody is just still blindly backing everything that he does within these right-wing circles. And it's rather... Rather mind-boggling, I must say. Well, it is. I mean, it, it's almost proof beyond any shadow of a doubt that, you know, the doomsday clock is about, you know, two minutes to midnight. But YouTube has proven that the attention span of the American people is only about three minutes and 46 seconds. 
I think that puts us well inside the danger zone. Because these people don't realize that they could have actually done something. But instead of doing something, they chose between two oligarchs. They chose between the kleptocracy members. And it's going to take exactly what I said it took before. <laughs> Everybody's get, ladies and gentlemen, you know, Clint was just mentioning the net neutrality, I think, you know, something about closing down the uh, the internet, and, and Brian was talking about they were trying to get this uh, in Pakistan out of the social media. Let me tell you what's a bell ringer in history. There's something better than the internet and telephones and computers. It's called hunger. It's called hunger. Now, let's take Clinton. The distance between he and I. Let's take Brian. The distance between he and I. Guess what happens when all those people in between get a message from their belly? But of course, the Lord your God's warned you about this. You just refuse to believe him. But you're going to. You will believe him. So, well, I just need to think about that. Of course they're trying to restrain the information getting out between Pakistanis. They don't want people knowing in the very next village that they need to jump on this bandwagon and begin to protest. Well, I mean, let me point out something here, too. You know, let us not forget in uh, Trump's last Afghanistan um, speech that he singled out Pakistan and pointed out their connections with terror, which is pretty common knowledge amongst people that have actually dug deeply into what's been happening in Afghanistan. Nonetheless, you know, them shutting down social media so that they can't communicate. They pointed out that they were very well organized. Oh, this has color revolution written all over it, folks. And they're already, uh, just within the last hour, there's stories coming out that are stating that it's looking like military presence is going to show up now at these uh, protests. This thing could get really heated here in the next few hours. Well, I don't see how it could, he- could get heated. We've got all kinds of military presence in the poppy fields in Afghanistan. Yep. I mean, who knows how many we got in Pakistan. Right? I mean, American people are so stupid. Brian, the opiate crisis right now is actually stemming from the, the poppy fields in a terrorist state. They really are that dumb. I'm not. I'm not lying to you. They're that stupid. It's been all over the news. Pictures of our generals standing in the poppy fields of Afghanistan. And it takes a foreign member of the British Parliament to come out and say, hey, man, we better do something right now because over in America, that kleptocracy is creating an epidemic, a death rate of biblical proportions because, well, That member of the parliament knows who runs 
the government, one of those member one of the main most powerful members of the Senate and Congress is Eli Lilly, you bunch of idiots. Everybody knows it. It's not Senator so-and-so or Congressman so-and-so. It's Eli Lilly. It's, uh, you know, Boeing. <laughs> the American people just don't get it. But yet the members of the British Parliament, they get it. That's That's kind of funny. You know, ladies and gentlemen, uh, all this has happened before. I mean, if you think these kleptocrats are not going to take those tax cuts and pass them right directly underneath the table to the politicians, you're just living in a fantasy world. You are. Well, we are to the end of the broadcast. So, Clinton, your closing uh, comments, uh, please, or a uh, light issue. We have um, – oh, we've got 15 minutes in overdrive, so if you wanted to cover something else, you can. But your closing comments, please. You know, I mean, uh, it, it, every week it seems like there's something else that just blows your mind, and and you <laughs> you don't even believe what what's kind of happening. I mean, uh, I've even read stories about it raining frogs in Mexico to you know the San Andreas Fault having you know 150 earthquakes in the last you know three days or something like that. I mean, it's it's just getting crazy, like everything that's going on. But in the same token, when when watching all this, it's it's great and and wonderful to remember that you know we're here during the most amazing time ever, and and it's a blessing to be able to see this. I mean, you know, some people live their entire lives without having anything exciting happen, and and we have all of this happen every day, so it's it's amazing. So just remember, take it as a blessing, and. And, uh, you know, just hold your head high because, I mean, this is absolutely amazing to watch and we're here for a reason. So, um, you know, you can watch me, uh, um, you know, anytime you guys need to get a hold of me, it's on clintoncowatch.com. On Twitter, I post all the news articles we talk about in the news broadcast and my handle's uh, just uh, at clintoncowatch. And also you can find me on uh, Podbeam on, as the Diligent Watchman. So thank you very much and may God guide you on your journey. Brian, your closing comments, bud? Well, I mean, folks, if you want to get an idea of what's going on, you've really got to break past the wall of the American media because they're going to lead you to believe that there's just nothing happening of any any relevance and, you know, all there is is big scandals here, there, and everywhere else. And, you know, uh, man of the year on time, that's somehow great big news here in the last 24 hours. And it just gets to the point of utter stupidity. For those of you that have access to even, um, you can get it on iPads, you can get it on the iPhone. I wouldn't doubt that you can get the um, Android variants of it, and even computers. You know, there's uh, feed programs out there like Feedly, for instance, where you can go and just go straight to the horse's mouth to keep 
track of the news because I try to do it through regular, uh, you know, website stuff and social media and so on and so forth. You're not going to see anything that's going on. So I would say just keep an eye on a lot of these circumstances. If uh, you need to contact me, you can get a hold of me at thebandsoftime at gmail.com. You can follow me at Overt Attention Show on Twitter. And the website, which I haven't put anything on for a while, is at OvertAttentionShow.com. Thanks for joining us. God bless. All right, ladies and gentlemen, one last final headline I just wanted to save for last. Washington Post disaster claims soar in 2017. The number of Americans registered for federal disaster aid jumped tenfold this year costing billions of dollars in additional emergency funding as a nation nears the end of a calamitous year. Now, ladies and gentlemen, take note of this headline. Tax cuts government shutdown on Congress's agenda as Christmas deadline blooms. Let me just... Read the opening diatribe here. The crush of unfinished business facing lawmakers when they return to the Capitol would be daunting even if Washington were functioning at peak capacity. It's an agenda whose core items, tax cuts, a potential government shutdown, lots of leftover spending bills, could unravel just as easily as advance in factionalism gamemanship, and toxic political government. Put these two articles together. Oh. (laughs) Oh, we're going someplace, ladies and gentlemen. For the woman this week that she might have the wherewithal to ready her garments for what God has said is going to happen. Till next time, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Matthew Miller, and if you seek me, you will find me. Because the Lord my God, through the reins of his Holy Spirit, that's what runs this stagecoach. So if you seek for me, you will find me. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless.